Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Oh, boy. Here we go. Boy.
Yo, hey, what's up, Piss Army? Tom and Zeus, another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast, episode 207. Hotter than hell. It's album review time, Tom. And what a way to get started uh, on an album review uh, episode than with a fucking brilliant performance that we just heard prior to the show. <laughs> if, if, if I didn't know any better, I would think that was Kiss Cruise Karaoke. The fact that that is Ace Freely right now, present day, is it's painful. I, I mean, we've laughed at it before, but now it's just I feel like I'm laughing at somebody that should be in like a nursing home. When I saw that online, there there are like literally people that being like, "See, he doesn't fucking he doesn't he doesn't watch he doesn't have backing tracks." He should use backing tracks. Sorry, Eddie Trunk, we love you, buddy. I know you. I know you fight against the tracks. If you would rather have that, and I know Ace is your buddy, that is horrendous. She wants a rocket ride. <laughs> it's almost better this way, because if he was still playing great, then I'd be like, what the fuck? Come on, put him in. Yeah. But because he's like that, it makes me feel better. Like, they can't put him in. Come you on. know, Gene, Gene's probably like, ah. Come on, Ace. You may not make it this really hard for yourself. Yeah. yeah. The whole like pick thing where he's like all he's doing is like flicking picks, barely playing chords. Is there proof that his guitar's even plugged in? <laughs> I don't know. It might not be. I think yeah. those guys are doing all the work. Dude, those guys are so good. They they, they do their great. best. They do they're their great. best, but yeah, those guys, those guys are incredible. We, we, I mean, we love them, but Ace. I mean, <laughs> we love you. We love Ace, but uh, I don't know, guys. I think you might be right. I'm tired. <laughs> that is just fucking horrendous. All right. On that note, Tom, uh, last week we decided to go through in uh, our real Kiss Alive series and just uh, reflect on the six albums that we created and rank them and talk about the songs and the albums if they were done that way. Um, we obviously did a poll, but before we do that, Tom, we got to give a shout out to the tax man, Tony Barone, but this time we're going to do it a little different. We got a little surprise for you tonight. <laughs> we're going to hand over the advertisement to Tom. Uncle, a Uncle Ace's new job is doing ad reads. ABCPA gets an accountant firm. ABCPA. ABCPA. That sounds like when the police asked me to say the alphabet at those roadside tests they used to give me because I can't remember the alphabet the oh. right way. All right, here we go. Hey, Loudcasters. ABCPA Inc. is an accounting firm located in the suburbs of Chicago that can assist you with, with all your accounting and tax needs. For business, they offer bookkeeping, financial statements, payroll processing, payroll tax returns, sales tax returns, filing federal and state income tax returns, and help with starting your own business as well. And for individuals, they offer help with sole proprietorships, rental real estate, trust and estate tax returns, and filing personal federal and state income tax returns. They have access to all 50 states. So whether you live in Massachusetts, or Mississippi, 
AB CPA Inc. can prepare an e-file on your behalf. Did you know Kiss Army? If you own a business with employees and have had a 20% reduction of revenue than you did in 2019 due to COVID or state-managed shutdowns, you might be entitled to additional tax credits. Follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn and visit them on their website at abcpainc.com. That's www.abcpainc.com or email our buddy Tony at Tony at abcpainc.com. That's Tony abcpainc.com or call him at 708-430-3232. Again, that is 708-430-3232. Yeah, ABCPA Inc. Yeah. All right. So our poll last week, we looked back on our Real Kiss Alive series. Which of these Real Kiss Alive would you have wanted to see? So the four options were the songs off of Alive 2, Dynasty album, and the solos. And we had Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up, Animalize, Asylum, Crazy Nights, and the songs from Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. And then the fourth combination was Hot in the Shade, Revenge, Carnival of Souls. Care to take a guess at what won Zeus? Um, my thinking would be that it would be the creatures lick it of the nub, lick it, licking of the nub, <laughs> lick it up, animalized. Uh, that ran away with it. Forty-eight percent wanted creatures of the night, lick it up, animalized. Twenty-six percent went for the alive two songs, dynasty solos, uh, hot in the shade, revenge, carnival of souls. I think carnival of souls probably sunk that one. Uh, was uh fifteen percent, and then Asylum, Crazy Nights, and the Smashes songs were at twelve. Um, and I we want to make a special comment here to everybody out there that provided us with their versions of their Real Kiss Alive. We got a ton of submissions from you guys, so that was really cool to see. Um, a lot of people sent some stuff on our website and through our email. Our good friend Jeff Kinsley sent one a bunch in. Those are always fun to see. We love Jeff. And then we had our buddy Twisted Kister says, I voted for the Creatures era, but it would have been amazing to hear a set list of my choosing from Hot in the Shade, Revenge, and Carnal of Souls. I don't trust Kiss to give me what I need from those three albums. Ooh, well said. Well said. And uh, let's get a couple of the Twitter comments here before we move on, because we have an album review to do. Our buddy Steve, these episodes really make you realize how lazy the band is and how much they have been coasting for the last couple of decades. Iron Maiden have gotten into the habit of releasing a live album after every tour. If Kiss did that, it would be the same live album every time. Exactly. And our good friend Amber and her new Twitter handle is Fiber Magic Queen. And she did get her T-shirt. It made it all the way to the UK. And she posted a wonderful picture of her wearing the kick-ass shirt. Love it. She says, what a great show this week. Just imagine. Your live album that would showcase the tracks off the solo albums would have been amazing. Yes. And our buddy Adam, he tweeted us from his podcast called The Metal Oasis. If you guys are into metal, and I mean real metal, check these guys out at The Metal Oasis. I've been on there for a couple episodes. Uh, Those guys are great. Uh, He says, this series is what got me hooked on Shout Out Loudcast. All the set lists are creative and fun. The Real Alive 5 and 6 gave me a better affinity for the criminally underrated 80s Gene songs. Indeed. Oh, and our buddy uh, Wally Vidal. I can't wait for when you guys rent Ace's old house and host the first annual gathering of the Loudcasters. 
And then our buddy Dr. Two said the same thing. When is the Loudcaster Summit at Ace's house? Oh, man. Love it. Love it. Uh, and that's what we got for Twitter. All right. And on the book of face, I'm going to try to just drop a couple of these ones because uh, uh, we want to get on to the episode. Dick Drip. <laughs> yeah, I think we know who that is. That's uh, all I'll say. Wow. Even your filler episodes are on point. Wait, what? Okay. Whoa. That is the dictionary definition of a backhanded compliment. So that was a filler episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. That's fine. Ray Cardova says another great episode as usual. Gentlemen. We have a couple people that unfortunately, Tom, just don't get it. Same thing as what happened on the Twitter poll. Which oh, God. Comment. Yes. I forgot. I didn't read that. You're right. Go ahead. Somebody. Right. The first alive is by far the best. The second one is great too, but not like the first one. What the fuck is that happening to do with our how polls? About, how about the comment on the poll when I said which of these com- com- combinations do you want? Somebody goes, uh, Dynasty, the Elder Creatures, Lick It Up, and Animalize would have been my pick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, that's not a selection, and that's not three fucking albums. <sighs> It gets exhausting. It gets exhausting, but that's why we love you guys. <laughs> On the Loudcasters group, Paul Heider, winner of the Patreon Kiss jersey from Jersey Ninja. Yeah. Yeah, Jersey Ninja. I couldn't help giggling when Zeus went from zero to 60 on the rage meter when talking about episode comments. I couldn't help but think of Zeus playing hockey. My apologies go to these fucking fans. Okay. <laughs> Slap shot reference. Uh, great episode. Usually, definitely, we'll get a pick when the jersey arrives. Absolutely. I told them the story that that's exactly how I am on the bench. Great shift, buddy. Yeah, nice play on that. What the fuck are you fucking idiots doing? Does anybody got any fucking balls? <laughs> Over on YouTube, Tom. Uh, Dan Moss says, there's a point. Here, where I could swear Zeus says, and then there's an Eric Trump solo. I started <laughs> wondering how weird that would be, scrolling it back and realize he said an Eric drum solo. Yeah, Zeus loves Eric Trump. That's definitely what he said. <laughs> Dude, if you thought the chick that I would bang from fucking Prime Minister of New Zealand with her big ass teeth had some big ass gums. Dude, big ass teeth. <laughs> you got some big ass teeth, Eric Trump. You got some big ass teeth. You got dick Teeth that big, your birthday got to be on Easter, huh? <laughs> you go to the dentist for braces, put a gate around your mouth, huh? You better not ever go down on no woman with no teeth that big. You fuck, fuck around, give some girl a hysterectomy, huh? I can't have no kids. You done scratch my uterus, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, I guess she's uh my trifecta is breaking up because she's uh retiring in New Zealand, Tom. Who's the guy here on one of our loudcasters fans that fucking absolutely hates her? There's somebody that always gets upset, oh, yeah. but I'm like, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. She's part of the trifecta, her and the Estonia and uh Finland's prime minister. All three that, of them. That that other chick, something happened to her because she has aged. Terribly with since she something Ooh. happened. Estonia? The one, the, yeah, the, oh, no, the, the one who stepped, the New, one who's stepping down. Yeah, yeah. Do you see? She got like that George Bush 
fucking beginning of his presidency towards yeah. the end. Look, you know, yeah, she looks, she, she looks, she looks like Shelly Duvall in the shine <laughs> thing right now. The <laughs> yeah. poor thing's a mess. When she first started, I was like, ooh, those fucking hot choppers over here. Oh god, now it's like oof, 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 <laughs> like Jaws. Put those teeth away. Someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah, it's a big ass teeth. <laughs> got some big ass teeth. <laughs> Andrew Johnson uh, put his uh, set list together, and he did it between the uh, "Lick It Up" analyzed creatures. And we love when you guys do that. And then he did. Oh wow, he did the one. He did more for a live. Di- he did them all. Oh shit! Thank you, Andrew. That's awesome. Take a look at that. It's on our YouTube uh, uh, episode page. Andrew put them all up. Cool. Thank you, Andrew. Very uh, cool. We love seeing that. Thank you, guys. Our buddy Pete Starrow says, good episode. Fellas, you always make Kiss a fun band to bust on. We bust on them? No, we don't oh, do that, Pete. You didn't do that. Well, the big, the girl with the big, big, big titties? No. <laughs> no. Uh, Tom she, was. <laughs> she kicked them in the nuts and called them the F-word in front of everyone. <laughs> oh. oh. All right, let's bang through a couple emails here. Oh, this is a great one here. Our buddy Sam Paxton sending us an email via our website, shoutoutloudcast.com. So he's talking about Tracy Lords. And and, and he's right, and I totally forgot about this. There is only one Tracy Lords porno that is legal to own in the United States, and that is a Tracy I Love You. That's the one. There's more Tracy Lords shit on. But there's there's more Tracy Lords porn on. I don't think it's just from that movie. I there's but 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 place. right. But at the time, because ninety percent of the shit she made, she was like sixteen. Uh, I don't know. I don't he, know. But I I he thought, says he said it's 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 the only one that she made after she turned eighteen. And she was drunk. He says off of cock cock. <laughs> uh, and then he goes. There's only two topics I will watch any documentary on. That's porn and wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he goes. Why? Because it always ends badly. Thankfully, your pal Jericho seems to be the exception of the rule. Uh, and he goes, and, to- and to- who? Oh, go ahead. Where, who's got a documentary on a porn star? What the fuck there is, is one. that? There's one. There's one. And it talks about their, their post-porn career. Oh, yeah. Byron. Through the tube sock years. Or you could just follow Christy Canyon on Twitter where she shows you what her flip-flops look like with no fucking pants on. (laughs) She's like all spread eagle. She's like, do you like my flip-flop? Lady, cover yourself. What the fuck? Like, I can't see a (laughs) flip-flop. Fucking fucking seeking through the fucking photo. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, what do you think of my flip flops? Meanwhile, all you can see is her bush right there on your fucking Twitter feed. It's like I can't see your flip flops. Come on, Nana. My friends are on Twitter. Cover that up. Oh, it's like she put on a nightie that didn't come down all the way. It's like oh, her legs are don't all spread. Do that. Uh. All right, let's finish up Sam's email. He says, "Hey Tom, you're right about Gene's costume and the Rise to It video. It's a mashup of Dynasty, Unmasked, and Creatures all in one." Oh, all right, Sam, we love you, buddy. Good one. And we got another one from Stephen Wood again, coming from our website, which is great. We love that. He says, "Hey guys, <laughs> running behind this week and have not listened to the episode. Oh, how dare you, Stephen Wood? But I decided to make up my own set list again." 
for all the Real Alive albums, starting with Real Alive 3. I got so excited that the power of Chris compelled me <laughs> to revisit Real Alive 3 set list for attempting the others. So he spends his time putting his list together. Very cool stuff. Looking forward to the episode, making up the rest of my set list. Thanks, Paul. Uh, so good stuff on the emails there. Yes. And uh, you're going to finish up with one other thing there, I think, Zeus. Yeah, I got one left here. This is our Barty, uh, Dick, I mean, Marty White. Uh-oh. On uh, YouTube, he says, so it was 2 a.m. And I was around 30 minutes in. And I was enjoying a can of sparkling water. The ace impression settled down. So it was safe to take a drink. So I did. But before I swallowed, Zeus said in an ace voice, this is where I wrote Genghis Khan. I spit the water out in laughter. So I wiped it up and you guys started talking about Jeff Beck. Nothing funny there. So I took another drink as Tom said, I think Paul roots for fame. Oh, wait a minute. I think Paul roots for famous people to die. I spit the <laughs> drink all over again. Thanks, guys. Marty, you are the best. Love you. We always enjoy reading your comments. Uh, and for that and being an awesome demon tier Patreon for quite some time, support of the show. You, my friend, are comment of the week. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> yeah, Marty. Thanks, buddy. Love hearing from you. Uh, and thank you again. Tom, what we do about this time is we give a shout out to our Patreon family. And there's nothing better I like doing than announcing when we have a new Patreon member. This one yes. is Peter Wexler. Uh, he joins us as a Spaceman member. And I believe Peter has been following us for quite some time as Swede in New York, I think is his handle, correct? Peter, yep. thank you for joining. We really appreciate it. And again, you just uh, joined one of the best parts of Shout Out Loudcast, and that is the Patreon family, ever-expanding Patreon family. So anybody else that wants to jump in on the fun, now's the time. Right now, we're taking submissions for the new album review crew pick. And whoo, the picks that are coming in so far, my God, um, some of them are pretty, pretty good. I'm excited. And then some of them, I'm, <laughs> God bless you. God bless you, brothers. <laughs> Even I wouldn't pick one of my own albums. Pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, the Patreon guys at this point are picking the album for our next album review crew episode. And if you become a Patreon member, you're part of that selection amongst the many things that you would get in return for joining the Patreon family. We have four different tiers. You can join any one of them. Take a look, see if any of them interest you. And if you want to help the show, as we always say, how can I help you guys? I love what you guys are doing. Well, join our Patreon family. It's a big help to us. There's four different tiers that you can select from. So find one that works for you. And if you can, we'd appreciate it. And obviously we like to give you guys back some perks, some merch, some uh, party tricks and uh, novelties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's from the great top secret movie that that should be a oh, fucking yeah. movie commentary. Just just yes. for that opening scene with their fucking skeet surfing skeet. Very surfing. underrated. Yes. Yes. 
Um, anyway, uh, Patreon, thank you so much, Peter, for joining the family. If you're interested, you can go to our website. You'll see it right on the landing page, Patreon. You click on that and find out all the information you want. You can go to the Patreon app or patreon.com. You look up for creators. You look up Shout Out Loudcast and uh, click to join and find out what all the fuss and fun is all about. Yeah, you guys are the best. A special shout out to Peter. Thank you, buddy. Uh, we know you've been a longtime follower and fan of us, so we truly appreciate you joining the Patreon family. And yes, we are in the middle of getting those ARC submissions for you guys. Some of them are bangers. Some of them uh, we'll find out what happens, but uh, there's going to be narrowed down to uh, about maybe three or four uh, by myself, Zeus, and Sonny, our partner in crime there on ARC, and we will be sending that poll out, and you will determine what we do coming soon on ARC. So thank you guys very much, especially for Peter. Tom, what we do next is we go over to Kiss World, and we want to find out what's happening there. Other than Ace fucking ripping up a rocket ride on the opening of our show, what else is going on in Kiss World? Uh, Paul did an interview with uh, Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment or Yahoo Music or whatever, asking questions about the 50th anniversary. Uh, He says the fact that we still not only survive, but thrive is special enough. There's nothing special to do. Let me repeat that. This is a quote from Paul. There's nothing special to do. I'm thrilled we're still here. I'm thrilled that the fans are still here. The fans seem thrilled that we're still here. We're coming to an end of this tour, so to speak. We pretty much know when we're ending and where we're ending, and that's it. Uh, He says the tour goes on forever because of COVID. We have shows to do. The end is in sight more so than some people know. We'll have an announcement about that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, then they ask him about if he's going to be emotional. He says more so than I know, there's going to be some tears for sure. So that's talking about his relationship with Gene. Uh, and then he was asked the question of whether the last concert will truly mark the band's final performance, or if there's a chance of one-off shows or a Vegas residency in the future. He says, quote, I really can't say, but it is the last of any kind of regular show or touring. He says, will we do more shows or one-offs? I have no idea, but it's a clear mindset that the touring days and doing those kinds of shows, that's over. Yeah, I mean, remember, I I talked about the Eagles. They ended, you know, you never thought that uh, they'd continue. And every once in a while, they'll do like a, you know, a a, a city area, like three, three, four on the coast or three, four here and there. That's what I think Kiss might do. Obviously, the residency, but they're not going to be like, oh, we're touring Kiss tour 2025. I think they might do. All right. You know, we're going to do New York City, Boston, Chicago, L.A., uh, Houston, something like that. Nope. Nope. They're done. Paul, Paul can't wait to end. Paul can't wait to end this. He he's he's bored out of his mind. He can't wait to get off the stage. He needs uh, because it, he's got because he's got to sell his pizza and his paintings and and you know charge his electric bike and all that other BS. So he doesn't care. He needs it. Uh, uh, eh. So Vinnie Vincent's Nashville event apparently took place, and uh, the running joke was the prices for a lot of this stuff here. Um, the mega rare tenth anniversary lick it up tour books. Things like that autographed three thousand dollars. There was some like Polaroids that you could buy for like forty thousand dollars. 
a guitar Dude. pick used by Vinny at the Rio show. Five thousand dollars. Yeah, prove that it was played there. <laughs> um, autographed out of print Vinnie Vincent CDs, five hundred bucks. <laughs> Original set of Polaroid test shots from the Creatures tour book, thirty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> Original set of Polaroid test shots from the Lick It Up tour book, thirty-two thousand dollars. Here's a good one: the Vinnie Vincent choker. Worn by him in the Boys Are Gonna Rock video, $10,000. A selfie, 100 bucks. An autograph from the table, 250 bucks. To sign an album, 300 bucks. That's in addition to getting in for 500 Now, I, I, is anybody out there? Did anybody go to this thing? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Let's move on. It's Vinny. God bless him. Seriously, I agree. Uh, and just to wrap up news, our buddy Neil Davis posted on his official Facebook page that there will not be a Creatures Fest or similar type event, unfortunately, for 2023. That is a huge bummer. Um, hopefully, something will happen because right now you got no Creatures Fest and you got no Kiss Cruise for 2023. So uh, that's. You know, two, this year is already starting off as a dud. Two things that two things that we loved from last year, and two things that we looked forward to from last year. Both of those are not happening this year, so that is definitely a dud. Yeah, well, it will be beginning of next year around this time. We'll be on the cruise. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. If you guys are coming, we hope you all are. Yep. Um. All right. With that being said, Tom, I'm going to go help Ace pack his luggage for his cruise twelve. I'll bring my banana thong with me and some sunscreen to keep my face beautiful. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new Factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, uh, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back, and uh, I just spent the last few minutes trying to show Ace actually how to plug his guitar into an amp, because I think I was right. It's been unplugged this entire time, and not the good kind of MTV unplugged. (laughs) All right, Tom, album review time. Uh, Yeah. We're up to Hotter Than Hell. Uh, What we usually do here is we talk about the album in our first impressions of it, for our history with it. Why don't you start us off? Hit hotter than hell. Okay. So hotter than hell. We've, I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit before I came in at love gun, uh, double platinum solos dynasty. So 77 to 79, that's my area of kiss. So I have no affinity or attachment or any kind of nostalgia towards this album. I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember when I got it. My experience with this album was, let me go rock and roll and harder than hell from double platinum. And at that time I was like, eh, and then later on here and, you know, half the album off of alive. I do remember when I first heard it, or I remember the vaguely first hearing being like, God, this sounds like total shit. Like this can't be right. Like, <laughs> like this can't be right. Cause you look at how crisp the debut and dress to kill very tight, kind of almost popish type albums then you listen to this thing like what the fuck dude coming back to it obviously we're going to get into it the nuts and bolts and everything about it yeah it's one of those rare kiss albums where i don't really have any specific memory connection or nostalgia for it i just i just don't that doesn't mean i don't like it and again we'll talk about that but to me this is just one of those albums that i guess because i came in 
in that late 70s era, this just never really registered anything special for me. All right, Tom. So for me, uh, same thing. Um, Harder Than Hell, I vaguely remember the album cover. But when I was a kid, like, I, I don't remember. Like, the, I have fragments of, as a child. I was born in 1973 in June. I mean, the album came out when I was one years old. So, I, I mean, obviously, I didn't have it. <laughs> but as I got older, I told you, like, we got into Kiss in the 70s, mid-70s and late-70s. And maybe I had this album, maybe I didn't, probably didn't, I'll be honest with you. But I, like you, and it's interesting you say that, it's the double platinum part of this that rings a bell. Like, I knew the two songs because I knew uh, Harder Than Hell and uh, Let Me Go Rock and Roll because of double platinum. Alive, to me, I don't even remember. So when I got back into Kiss when I was in middle school... Same thing. I'm like, who the fuck? What the fuck are these songs? I don't know. Where's God of Thunder? I don't see Love Gun on this. How is this their biggest album alive? So I didn't remember these songs. Then as I, you know, got back into Kiss as we as I was growing older, middle school, high school, I had this album. I played it. I liked it. I mean, I it went in my shuffle list. And then as I got older, I started getting a little bit more of an affinity for it. Because they are more deeper cuts for KISS fans, deeper cuts than others. Yeah, okay? Definitely. And so, yeah, that's that's my intake about it. Uh, I, I don't have, like, this is not a uh, asylum. Like, I remember this came out. I was buying music. I went and bought it. This is, you know, I have vague memories of it, and that's when I got it. So let's... uh. Let's talk about the album cover. Oh, boy. Probably very few covers are as legendary as this one. Let's talk about, like, the actual, like, artwork itself, and then we can get into the backstory of the insanity that involved, um, you know, the photo shoot that, that, that everybody talks about. So, off the bat, um, look, uh, let me preface this by saying I like Kiss, okay? <laughs> Uh, this cover is kind of a mess. Um, there's just too much going on. I mean, you got these bright, bright colors and then this really cool group picture that's in black and white. You got the Japanese letters. You got a fucking set of fingertips at the top right and top left corners that are weird. You know, then, then you got the back with this really cool image that our buddy Jeff Kinsley just got tattooed on his arm off the cruise, which is great. Well, all four faces put together and then a, a, an insanely weird photo shoot. Ace looks like he's about to, I don't know what he's doing. They all, it just, I remember seeing like the star over the woman's like over like our friggin' tits on the back of the thing and being like, what's that? And Paul, I'm like, I don't know what that. And then I'm like, why is Gene dressed like Thor? Like, I'm like, I don't know what was going on. here. just, just a weird, weird cover. What, what do you think about this one? When you look at it? Well, I think you've got to take the whole thing in context of what they were trying to do. So okay. I think they were trying to get into the whole album with these striking colors and stuff. And I think their point was they were trying to hit the Japanese market and yeah. boy, did they succeed because kiss became legends in Japan. So the album it's got, it's, just, I don't know, homage or tip of the hat to Japan. 
you know, with the Chikara single in the front, the colors and stuff, and the writing of Japanese and stuff. So the cover design was by a guy named John Van Hammersveld. And it's yep. got all sorts of Japanese kind of stuff in there. And then the back part, never mind the art and all the other stuff, but the photos of the are part of the legendary uh band shots at that crazy fucking orgy party that was taken by photographer Norman Seif. And yep. it's you know, and then you got the design of all four makeups, as you said, Tom. But the whole thing is just in- insane. There's Japanese characters on the top right of the album cover. Uh, Jigoku no Sakebi, which means hell hey. shout or the shout of hell. Right? Yep. Chikara on front. Uh, the Japanese characters used Fraley's names are translated incorrectly, apparently, uh, yep. into Ace Fury. Hey, just call me Ace Fury. I got a lot of hissing vinegar in me. <laughs> but so that's the cover itself. Interesting, different. We know they put like think of the effort that went into this, and then think of like the shit they put out later. I mean, this is oh, I agree. a lot of effort. So it's got a lot of effort, but it's 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 got a lot of effort, but it's it's kind of a mess. I'll tell you the one thing that I don't like is the the hands at the top, no. the top left and right corners. You know, the on the on the front and back. I just I'm like that just looks stupid. Okay, let's talk about a couple. Just looks things. dumb. So yeah. apparently, the big story, and this is one of the first of many. Ace when he was when they were in L.A. smashed up a rental car. And his face got so fucking banged up and he had stitches and stuff. He wasn't allowed to put makeup on half of his face. So the artist had to superimpose that makeup side on half of his face. That's why they're kind of like profile photos and stuff of them. The other part to this, I was like, I don't know why it's in black and white. Kiss is a visual band. You didn't need to put them in black and white. Uh, Of course. The whole hall reaching back. And like grabbing Peter's ass, like, what? But the that's fuck because are you that's doing? because which le- it leads to the next legendary part of the story. It's because Paul was completely shit faced. Then find a fucking different image, <laughs> dude. I'm just like, what are you conveying here? There are so many different versions of this cover. I have a couple of hotter than hell bootlegs. Yeah. Like I have like a boot like, and and there are so many different. There's a million photos from this shoot. This one is so weird. Even Gene's hair. Gene's hair almost looked like like a Nana haircut. Like that like like the way it's, it it kind of like it's I don't know. I, look, I'm not a big fan of this cover if you can't tell right now. Uh but yeah, Paul holding on to Peter's ass. Um like ooh. In like ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it, it, the best is getting back to Ace in in behind the mask. It's so funny. He says, I got I got out of the car and I had a cut on my head. I walked back down to the hotel. I knocked on my road manager's door. There's blood running all over my face. He said, oh, God, what happened to you? He goes, I wrecked a car. I, I mean, from all the books and stuff you read, you talk about, they're all like, they go down like, where's the fucking car? It's like, I don't know. I left in my hole and drive. And they find him fucking smashed. They're like, how the fuck is he not dead? And they're yeah. all like, at that point, probably, because they, they weren't 
like they weren't aware that this was going to be a, an ongoing thing with him. They're like, "Holy shit! Oh, no. You're lucky you're alive!" Like, what the fuck? But and according to according to Peter, the photographer Norman Seif got them drunk, and yeah. it was his idea. Like he wanted everybody to just be like something and, out of like yeah, it was like a fucking like a Roman orgy. orgy. Yeah, exactly. Fellini exactly. thing, and and then he had yep. like people with fucking birds head. It was like part of the Shining. Uh, eyes wide shut on fucking all weird shit, and apparently you exactly. from everybody else's book, it's it's insane the shit that was happening. Like Peter said, he would wake, like fucking find somebody blowing him. Look on the corner, Ace would uh, he'd be watching Ace's fucking somebody. Uh, two guys are sucking each other off in the corner. A chick with a fucking bird's head is like fucking Paul. Like everybody's getting laid, doing all sorts of shit and crazy stuff. And I remember Peter's wife was at this thing too at the time. That's right. Like That's right. A monitor yep. and she was probably like, what the fuck? And then legend goes, Paul got a little tipsy. And maybe Very he made deep. the suggestion to Gene. Hey, Gene, let's, uh, let's run down and kiss some of those girls. No, star child. Let's walk down and fuck them all. Fuck them all. Who doesn't love that story? Yeah, yeah Paul and, was so drunk they locked him in a car. Yeah, in the station wagon, and he was so drunk it took yep. him a while to realize how to get out. Yep, incredible, incredible. What a weird. I mean, just, just a weird era. The 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 back cover is so overwhelming with the Japanese symbols, with the weird photos, and the in 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 the way that. Ace is sitting and Gene with like dressed like a Roman gladiator and the way things look like they're like green screen superimposed and cut and paste and stuff. It's just it, it, it's a mess. I don't get it, but whatever. Yeah. Good for them. So good for them. There's a lot of background to this album before we get into the facts, but the background basically goes the producers at the time, which were Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise, had moved to LA. Casablanca Records is out in LA. So they're like, hey, why don't you guys come here and we'll record for you? And they're like, okay, the first album didn't go bad. So let's go out with these guys. Um, first day they get there, Paul's custom flying V gets stolen. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy supposedly hated it because they knew that the New York attitude time, they didn't like the LA back, laid back kind of uh, way that things were going. And then more in addition, we all know about the famous sound. And oh, that yeah, is that's, that's the murky sound that it comes out. And yep. and this is basically from uh, Nothing to Lose, Richie Wise, one of the producers wrote. I wanted to make a harder, more forceful record. I thought the guitars on the first album weren't distorted enough. After seeing Kiss Live, I wanted to make a record that was more live sounding. There were some good songs on Harder Than Hell, but better recording would have served it better. He goes on to say, I take full responsibility for the failure of that album. Bad sound decisions and bad creative decisions. I was very disappointed in the record. Between the mixing and not knowing what studio sounded like, the speakers in the control room didn't accurately replicate the sound. In attempt to go left, we went right. The sound of the record was iffy. I remember mastering the record forever in an attempt to make it sound better. I wanted to make it louder, more forceful, and to have a better sonic presence. The mastering made it even worse. 
Looking back, the first album had a lot of smiles and laughter, but the second album didn't cut it. It wasn't cohesive and it failed to gel. The first album had a vibe the second album didn't have. The album felt forced in every way. A couple other comments from Richie Wise. This comes from Behind the Mask. Um, He says, I knew there was a sonic problem. I think we came out with a very brittle sounding album that was very unpleasant, very harsh, and just disgusting. The intent was to make a Black Sabbath kind of sounding record. It just didn't pan out sonically. It was over compressed and over driven. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the general consensus when you ask Kiss uh, Kiss fans about Hotter Than Hell. Love the album. Fucking hate the sound. Oh, it's terrible sounding. And you get it from there. Now it's the producers moving to a new studio, new sounds, trying new things. And they didn't have the time to go back and fix it. Because at the time, with Casablanca being you... And hey, every six months your album's not selling. You got to put a new another new album. They needed that advance money, Kiss did, and they needed to get out there on the road and put more albums out. So they couldn't just re-record this again. So that's the sound you got. So all this stuff in history comes down to the fact that choose they choose these two guys and they go to LA to do this instead of New York. Hence, everything fucks up. Then Bogart comes in for album number three, probably to save money, and says, I'm going to fucking produce this. Either as a, hey, no, no, I love you, boys. You're really top of my like most important things I need to do. I will take care of this. I'm going to produce you. Now, it all stemmed from this fucking mistake of going over to L.A. to do this at the time. Yeah, and the problem with this album, if, you know, and of course, we're going to get into it when we talk about the tracks, is that the first thing kiss fans think of when you hear harder than hell is the sound. And so I was like, Oh, what were you? Oh, I wish they could re re-record it, remaster, remix it, whatever. Um, look, you know, it, you can't listen to this album without being overwhelmed by its horrendous sound. And I'll tell you right now, it's kind of an exhausting listen because it just sounds like shit. And it's a tragedy because there are some songs on here that are top tier kiss songs. Like, I'm talking top tier kiss songs and they suffer dramatically, which is why thank God alive exists so that you get these songs that sound fantastic on that album. Hence why you get people that like alive songs better than the first three album songs, studio tracks. And I get that production. Yep. And I get that. Yep. Absolutely. So the other aspect of this album is as they i guess there's a running gag in bands like you have your whole life to come up with your first album That's and then right. once you do now you got to come up with six songs in six months uh, 10 songs in six months yep so it was a lot harder for them to come up with these songs some of them were leftovers but some of them they had to come up with in la uh the other aspect again cracks started to show peter's bitching this i'm gonna sing or i'm not i'm quitting uh, or you're going to put a or you're going to put a 7 minute drum solo in this song <laughs> or I'm going to quit. Yeah. Ace's <laughs> fucking recklessness of drinking and getting fucked up and all that other shit. Peter's poor attitude, that crack started to show a little bit. But somehow they put a fucking album together like this that most of us would say is still legendary. Of course. Um Hotter Than Hell released October 22nd, 1974, produced by Kenny Kerner, Richie Wise. It made it to number 100 on the U.S. billboards, and the album went gold. 
this album is definitely more than gold, but that's just me. And because they're too cheap to go to go recertify. But well, speaking of that, Eddie Trunk talked about that recently. He he did on one of his episodes. He had like a album throwdown kind of thing. They talked about Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun, and they were taking calls and trying to you know vote on which one would be is everybody's favorite. And he did talk about how uh, these albums haven't been recertified in forever, so no one really knows the true number of them. Yeah, uh, and he he knows the between the artists and all the fans. And you talk to people. Who have who doesn't have a lot of these Kiss albums? They all do. All the all the musicians know these albums left and right. Come on, yeah, then take me. into a, then take into account the 2014 reissues on vinyl. Then yeah. all these anniversary then all these anniversary editions on vinyl, etc. Oh, et original you know? remasters on C- in CDs when they came yep. out. Yep. So before we get into the tracks, one kind of interesting little bit of trivia: the original, or I should say, working title for the album was "The Harder They Come." Settle down, kiss. <laughs> the harder they come. All right, Paul. Uh, let's go to the tracks. First track. Here we go. <laughs> Um, you didn't say. Ooh. Do Kiss fans like this song? Uh, uh, because this is not a good song. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, wow. st- I'm, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming out of the gates blazing, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Okay. For, let, let me be clear. First of all, the chorus is is ridiculous. The chorus <laughs> is is a mess. You don't like woo? Got to choose. <laughs> like what is? Who's your bet? What are you doing? The choruses are nice. I think the, I mean, look, a lot of these songs are going to suffer by me me comparing them to MTV Unplugged or Alive uh, because this sounds fantastic on Unplugged. Okay. Uh, It's, it's, it's okay. Um, I think it's kind of plotting, which kind of is a problem on this entire album with a lot of these songs. It's just, there's really no oomph to it. There's no, like, you look at some of those songs on the debut album that like kicked ass, you know, Deuce and, firehouse and you know all these songs that like strutter like this is what you open with Ah, it's 
no, I'm just not a fan. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I just think it's kind of a little bit of a dud, especially as an opener. Uh, Got to choose written by Paul Stanley. Paul calls it one of his favorite kiss songs. He said he got the riff from a band called boomerang. Hopefully not the song. Oh no. Who did a cover of a Wilson Pickett song called 99 and a half won't do, which he heard at electric lady studios when he was there. Uh, I like the guitar. I love that little thing that they do at the end uh, of the riff. Um, Still. I, okay. So here's what I think you're trying to say. That chorus. They're using those wicked Lester type fucking choruses again, which are bad. Yeah, that you didn't like, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what was some Ooh. of the great? Yeah, what was some of the great ones? Remember they they would do. Uh, oh, just think about when they did uh, "God of Thunder." God of Thunder and rock and, rock and roll. Yeah, like rock, the, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, they were using those. I don't know the the ones that are on the 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 tracks on the box set those demos yep. uh, those wicked Lester type uh, she and uh, just I don't know I like the the doubling of the word of the first one baby dun, dun, dun. yeah uh, I think Ace's solo is really good and I like the outro with who's your baby. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. I like so, that. I like that. I like that riff. I, I call it just a nice mid-tempo opener. Okay. Uh, obviously, it makes it onto a live, which is a dud of a song live. This is a when this song is played live, no one's no one's like, yeah, got to choose. Everyone's like, all right, I gotta go take a piss. Like it's just it, it's a Paul boring song. It's a boring loves, song. Paul loves this. Of course he does. So when you pull out like songs, I'm sorry. I, I the problem is when you pull out old songs and you pull out got to choose, you've played it before. We've heard it before. We've heard it in live and stuff. It It's because we're excited. It's because it's not say, yeah, when you're playing it on the cruise. Exactly. It's, it's not because you're playing that song. It's because like it's something you, different. Yeah, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're fucking. <laughs> if you starving and somebody throw you a cracker. Yep. God damn, that's a great cracker. I've had. Yeah, it's a great rich cracker. <laughs> if Kiss comes out and throws a song you haven't heard in twelve years, you're gonna go. God damn, that's a good song. That's He's right. Right. Yep. All right. Let's go to the second track. Let me see your hands. Yeah. No, we're going to play the real version of this, not our friends from Kiss Karaoke. Play the real version. All right. 
All right, Parasite, the real version, not the Kiss Cruise karaoke version. You don't like the sad Gene version? Oh, God. Uh, we're talking top shelf Kiss track right here. I mean, I mean a vicious riff. I mean, just one of the great ones. Gene is just vocally. Gene is absolutely incredible on this track. Like he, he's, I got more to say about Gene. Um, yeah. And our buddy Ace plays the bass. Um, there's a hilarious quote from Ace in behind the mask on this. He says on the psycho circus tour, we were thinking of doing parasite. I broke into it at soundcheck. I don't play it like Bruce Kulick played it, which was very precise. I play it sloppy. That's the way I wrote it. I forgot that Kiss did Parasite with Bruce. And Paul said, you're not playing it right. And I said, bullshit. I wrote the fucking song. (laughs) Paul says, no, you have to play it more staccato. And I go, no, that's not the way I wrote the fucking song. Listen to the record. Paul, listen to the fucking record. I love that. I love that. Awesome. But of course it's an Ace song because Ace is a fucking rock dude. This song fucking rocks out. What a follow-up to Got to Choose. Parasite, right? I just fucking love Parasite. Love it. Parasite written by Ace Fraley. Ace plays bass on this one, apparently. Uh, Paul says, classic Ace. I only wish there were more songs of this quality. His songs were unlike mine or Gene, but they fit really well. When Ace hit the mark, it was usually a bullseye. Yep. But at the time, Ace had no confidence to sing on the albums. Paul says in his book that they tried to get Ace to sing, but and so does Gene, but he didn't have the, you know, the courage. And then Ace would talk about in his uh stuff that, you know, they made him feel uh inferior. They didn't give him any confidence. So that's why he didn't offer it. Uh, they were throwing things at me. They were very hurtful. Yes. But that rift, I think that riff is ahead of its time. It's just so I, I heavy agree. and dark. It's metal. It's you like know, early metal. Yeah. That extended yeah. guitar solo with oh. Peter going nuts in the background. Yep. Oh, I think it's fantastic. Ace does uh, a remake of this on Origins with John Five. It's actually pretty kick-ass. Musically, the song is even heavier and, and the, obviously the production is that much better and John five kicks ass. So yeah. Vocally, it's a fucking gem with me on the fucking <laughs> on the on the mic. <laughs> All right. Song number three.
Oh boy. Going blind. What are we doing here, Gene? Uh, Steve Cornell, who is uh, <laughs> famous for the wrong reasons now. Uh, I like going blind. It was originally called Little Lady. Ugh, dude. All right. There's one funny story about this song that I kind of was saving for uh, for the episode here. I'm a Rush fan. And in 1975, Rush had an album called Caress of Steel, which if you're a Rush fan, the album is bonkers, proggy, weirdo. It's a Rush fan's Rush album. They wrote a song on there called I Think I'm Going Bald. <laughs> I know you saw that. And Getty Lee. Yeah, told Martin told Martin Popoff in his book Contents Under Pressure, which I have great, great, great Rush book. He says we were toured a lot with Kiss those days. They had a song called Going Blind, so we were kind of taking the piss out of that title by just coming up with this. Drummer Neil Peart pushed the band into a headier place, reaching into science fiction and philosophy, but he kept things relatively cut and dry on "I Think I'm Going Bald," using that phrase to analyze the paranoia that Alex Lifeson was having <laughs> about losing his hair. He says, Alex was always worried about losing his hair. Neil came up with this line. I think I'm going bald. And then they just talk about, you know, the relationship that the bands had together, how much they loved each other, um, how they toured so much together. I just think that's hilarious. Cause if you listen to that song, it is such a bizarre non rush type of song off of an album that is fucking bonkers. I think that's great. Now back to going blind itself. The unplugged version of this is great because I think Gene's vocals sound great musically. It, it's it's a little bit better. Look, I think this is one of those songs that really, really suffers from this shit production. The song sounds like it's underwater. It's not a bad song. Is it a weird song? Yes. Even Gene says, I like it. It's not really a kiss song, but I like it. Gene says that he likes the recording. He says the compression on the drums works. Dude, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Weird song, weird lyrics. Paul was the one who came up with the, hey, throw in the I'm 93, you're 16 bullshit. Weird song, not terrible, um, but it's just not a go-to track for me. Going Blind, written by written by Steve Petty and Gene Simmons. Steve Petty. Yeah. Gene brought it in and it was a song that he had written with Steve Petty. Another one of those, like, Hey, we need to come up with some songs and like, Oh, I have this one with uh, my pedophile friend, uh, Steve Cornell. So they came up with this one. Uh, Steve says he wrote the chords and Gene came up with the words in melody. As you said, Tom, Gene says one of his favorite, favorite songs. And he says that it came from their love of mountain. And a yeah. song called Theme from an Imaginary Western. Uh, and also the reworking of the Layla riff of Clapton. Mm -hmm. I don't hear that, but whatever. As you said, Paul suggested the line, I'm 93, you're 16, which sounded warp, according to hit Paul, and knocked the whole thing kind of sideways. I Like, like Paul says it like, bragging like why not do you like it yeah let's put it in yeah yeah i came up with that dude that's stupid that's you stupid. took the song and what could be a good chorus and like oh listen to the song this is really weird i'm 93 no 93 year old is hooking up with a 16 year old back then okay it's just weird it's weird yeah it's just it's just fucking it just made it stupid you yep. don't need 93 i'm 
you could done I'm 53, you're 18. That, that would work. Yeah. A little bit different. Uh, but just 93 and 16 is stupid. Just stupid. Obviously, Indeed. Yeah, obviously this is on Unplugged. And on Unplugged, Gene pulls out a revived second verse. In That's which right. He says, little lady from the lady beneath the sea. Now, apparently, that lyric was from the original meaning of the song, which was supposed to be some dying sea captain addressing a mermaid. Dude, just Gene, just go back to fucking people. Stop with this. Stop with this. Not some lady and an old guy and a young girl. The band, the grunge band, the Melvins did a cover of this. Eric Singer and the Eric Singer Project with Bruce recorded a version of this in 98. You already mentioned the Rush kind of funny little part of that story. The song is a slow plodding song. I think it's uh, it's it's a good song. Again, it's one of those things that we say, Tom, from time to time. It's just not a Kiss song. Yeah. The so. the chorus is pretty cool. The solo is actually very good. And it's, as our buddy Jericho likes to say, it's part of Gene's trilogy of pedophile songs. Uh, Going Blind, Christine 16, and Domino. Gene's banging underage chicks. Hey, um, somebody, somebody has to. And on that happy note, let's go to the next track. So we got the title track hotter than hell. This was uh, well, my pretty much my first exposure. Probably a lot of us to, to this album off of double platinum at the time. I thought it was a cool song, you know, kind of, kind of sparse. Uh, Paul credits his love for free and Paul Rogers and the song all right now. Sounds um, like it. It does. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a very open song. A lot of the, everything kind of breathing in between yeah. the drums and the guitars. <sighs> this is a song that really, really is blown away by the live version um we've talked about this on our episode with our buddy joey casada we did uh fucking put his clip in yeah you don't have to do shit we did uh you know better live or studio the 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 live version of this on a live is incredible because the song itself here is is it again more slow more plotting 
it's even Paul says, I like the song a whole lot. The original version is incredibly slow when I listen to it now. And at times the drum parts don't sound like much more than a metronome. (laughs) And he's right. And one of the bigger problems with this recording that I haven't really talked about yet. And there's other songs that highlight it even more because the production is such shit. You can at times almost not even hear Peter's bass drum, which is so weird for a, a rock band. Usually the bass drum is what kind of thumps you through each song. It's, I don't know. Uh, it, it's tough to judge these songs on themselves without incorporating the production, but this is what kiss kiss gave us. So we kind of have to do it. Um, it's not a bad song. It's just boring. It's old. I never have to hear them play it again live. Hotter Than Hell, written by Paul Stanley. It's the B-side to the only single that was released by Kiss, and that was Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Paul wrote this in L.A., so it's one of the new tracks that they had to come up with. As you mentioned, it sounds like Free is all right now. And talk. they both talk about a guy trying to pick up a chick and the lines they, they throw at her. Paul said he didn't know how to make the song end, so he didn't want it to end on a fade-out chorus. So he came up with this Black Sabbath-type riff. And then Ace soloing over it. I'll be honest with you, that ending has become so famous now from yep. alive and everything. So yep. when I hear this song live, I look for that part. Me too. I love it. I that's my favorite part of the song. Is that agreed? Gong, here comes a gong. I'm a it's awesome. And then boom. And then yep. Ace just solos out over it. That's a fucking great part. And I like Ace's lead fills throughout the whole song, the gong and the solo over the uh, the chords at the end. This song, and I'll say it a couple times, not that Peter's playing badly, but I think a more out front, loud, crisp drum on this song with the Absol- absolutely made this song so much better. Yes. The drums are terrible on this. Yeah. And yep. It's just too bad because it, it could really have made this out made this song. Yep. All right, Tom. Time to go to your one of your favorite punching bags. go rock and roll this uh, the reason i don't like this song is the same reason why i don't like another beloved song by another beloved band and that's rock and roll by led zeppelin they're both trying to do the same thing and it doesn't suit either one of them 
They're trying to go for that 60s, you know, Johnny B. Good, Jerry Lee Lewis, classic American rock and roll. I get it. Um, but like we always say, it's not what I want to hear from Kiss. It's not what I want to hear from from Led Zeppelin. They're, both of them are not bad songs. I'm not going to be stupid and say they're bad songs. I will say the live version of Let Me Go Rock and Roll is amazing because the solo fucking rips. I'll give him that. The solo rips. Gene sounds great. It's just not the the the, the style. Now I'll give him credit. It's an up tempo song. It, the the song kind of kind of gives you a jolt after some of the shit you've been listening to because so far everything's kind of like ah. Um, funny background story here from Gene. I love this. At the time, I was working at the. Puerto Rican Interagency Council. <laughs> what? I was in charge of the whole office and I had it all to myself. And he starts getting into how he started writing lyrics and everything. And it's just like they keep playing it. He even says it's a song we could we would we keep playing through almost three decades. Now that was written over 20 years ago during the box set. This is from the box set book. We used to end the song abruptly, and then one night we decided to let Peter give us a cue when to end the song with a big wave. When he does the kiss loves you, which I'm sorry, it annoys me when Eric Singer does it because that's a Peter thing, but that's just me being a baby. Yep. No, I agree with you. If you want to keep it as a tradition, then you should let fucking somebody else say it. Yep. But, but taking it and having the drummer sing it, you're taking Peter's identity away. That's why. All right, That's right. Uh, let me go rock and roll written by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. It's the only single from the album. Didn't chart saved from the, it was also saved from the last album that they didn't record. So it's one of those that they had around now. Uh. <laughs> Gene says he took the riff from Paul's where there's smoke, there's fire. Now I'm thinking it's the fire from Destroyer Disc Two. I don't. He says I, it, it, I, think I don't he's think wrong. Yeah, I think he is too because that's not that's not what I hear. Because he says, yeah, Paul had the lyric. If you're gonna go to Puerto Rico, I'm like Gene. That's don't you hesitate. Exactly. That's I don't right. know if the riff is from that either. So yep. I, I I don't know, but I, I don't hear I don't hear the song on either one of those. Uh, you already mentioned where he wrote that. Uh, it's old school rock and roll. Chuck Berry, Chip Away the Stone. It's only rock and roll, uh, yep. but I like it. Stay with me from the face. I, I That's what I think of when I hear this song. Uh, the drums and guitar is just so cool. A killer ace. Uh, the breakdown in the middle with just Peter at one point. It's like, doom, 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 yep. doom. And all of a sudden, ace comes in. Oh, my God. So for me, this is the closest that this can do to a Zeppelin concert. Yep. Like they can extend this. They can go nuts. The solo could fucking like this song sometimes in the middle of the concert could really lift the crowd up the way the solo yeah. goes. It's a and good so, live version. Yes. Yeah. So if they yep. have if they do a great job, if they have the energy, this thing, this song rocks. I've seen Tommy fucking rip this up as good as anybody can. And yep. I've also seen some fucking ooh, versions. Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, that's uh, side one. Let's flip it over. Go to side two. One, two, 
talking about one of the deepest of the deep cuts um according to spotify when you search for this song it comes up as being only on hotter than hell it's not even on icons it's not on it's not on anything it's like the true definition of a deep cut it's nowhere it's on youtube tom with uh charlie bonante john five uh, the guys, uh, PJ, our buddy, and Joe McGinnis in them. Which, which is awesome. They do such a fucking cool vi- video. Just search Charlie Bonanti. When he came up with so many of these great ideas during the COVID time, yep. that video on YouTube is awesome of them singing. And I swear to God, I still think that's Gene singing. That's awesome. My favorite part of the song, and I'm sure Zeus agrees with me ab- amongst the song being incredible. I love hearing Gene's voice countdown at the beginning. Because he sounds like such the demon. He's like, ah, ah. You get the cowbells. Just an awesome song. And I think Zeus and I talk about this a lot. I think the thing that makes this song awesome is that you never hear it. It's not on a compilation. It's not on a live album. They never play it. You want to hear this song, you got to go to the Harder Than Hell album and play it. Um, But besides that, it's a fucking great song. I think it's a catchy song. And I've always, always gone to this one on this album. All the way written by Gene Simmons. Uh, Gene says he ripped off the lick from Mitch Ryder's song called Detroit. So every time I see these things, I go back and I find the song on YouTube. And I try to figure out, like, do I hear it? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I didn't get yep. it on this one. Yep. He says this is another mountaintop uh, type of song. And I come out with mountain, uh, mountain cat, cat that I ah! terrorize people with uh is in the song with cowbell uh it's about a girl that won't stop talking about her mom and dad and i'm like just shut up do you want to come out with me or not (laughs) so i call it the shut the fuck up song um yeah i tom i wrote down the same thing i love the count off that g does in the beginning of this one two three four Cowbell, I put yes. And it's a Ralph Cramden tip of the hat to Casadas type song. To the moon. One of these days you're gonna push me all the way. Right? It's like yep. an old guy Casada. screaming about his wife. Casada yep. in his fucking honeymooners episodes. Ugh, we love Casada in his podcast, but <laughs> come on, dude. How old are you? <laughs> uh I, I mean I love the song. It's Gene at his catchiest. The solo yep. is actually pretty cool too, as well, and it's a real deep cut gem. Yep, and it's not the only one. Let's go to the next track.
more top-tier kiss for me right here. The early, early part of Gene embracing that demon vibe, watching you, might be one of the best riffs that Kiss has ever put together in a, in a song. Again, kind of more of that proto-metal that we talked about with Parasite. Real heavy, real just stomping, plotting, like early-type metal stuff. Uh, incredible, incredible solo. Um, love the vibe of this one. And of course, every time I hear this song, regardless of where I hear it, we always come back to that amazing Winterland black and white concert, which is just stunning, stunning, amazing. I mentioned the solo and how killer it is. And then one of my favorite parts of this entire song at the very end, when Peter just screams, watching us after Gene's been saying, watching you, watching you. And Peter just screams out at the end. I think it's incredible killer live version of this we talked about it when we did our review of alive three i love the version on alive three i think eric singer's drums carry this song and make it sound as heavy as it should have been on this version but of course the production blows so yeah watching you gotta love it are you sure that's peter saying that not gene uh i've always been under the impression that's him because of the gravelly the raspy voice um if somebody Wants to correct me if I'm wrong, let me know. But for all these years, I've always thought they turned the mic over to him to shelp out that part right there on the album. So, yeah, I have no idea, Tom. You might be yeah. right. Okay. Uh, watching you, written by Gene Simmons. Uh, Gene says it's a ripoff of Mississippi Queen by Mountain. What the fuck is all this Mountain Cat? Daddy, they love they love Leslie West and Mountain. Uh, written in the Wicked Lester days, say uh, saved from the last record. Uh, the lyrics come as part of Gene's theory of writing about the Hitchcock movie Rear Window. Yeah. Which I love. Ooh, Grace Kelly. God damn. Oh, oh, just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Do you know, I didn't realize that the first lyrics are limping as you do. Dude, I never knew that until we started looking into this album background. I, I, I I, I I actually don't know what I thought he was saying. Do you know what I thought he was saying? Let what? me introduce. I'm watching you. <laughs> that's, not, that's what I thought it was. Let me introduce. And I'm limping like, as you do. What's he talking about? Like Guido the Killer Pimp? And limping so as you do. I'm thinking if you go into the theory that he's talking about, like the the movie Rear Window, where the where James Stewart's character uh, has an accent oh, in, so a in a wheelchair. Yeah. So he's yeah. looking in. This voyeuristic movie where he's looking at his neighbors, all his neighbors, there's like 10 of them characters. They are all doing different things throughout the whole movie, subplots, and apparently he may have witnessed a murder, but he's in a wheelchair. So I'm thinking limping as you do. Maybe that's what it is. Could be. Could be. Um, Makes as much sense as anything else. Gene says, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm more of a stream of consciousness. It's just literally what came out. Pure genius right there, Gene. Yeah, that's exactly it. But I write, what a riff. How fucking yep. heavy, dark, and badass is this? And of course, Tom, I put the same thing as you. I think of Winterland. But this is like almost like in theory, very grungy, like not musically, this song, but there will be one that comes up later. In the sense yep. that there's very few lyrics in verse, and the verses are repeated. So if you look yes. at the song. Just like most grunge songs, and you read like you go to the early '90s, and you'll see a Pearl Jam song, and you're like, "There's fucking like two verses here." And it's like, and a verse is made up of three words. Uh, 
it's very tiny in that in that respect. It's just the killer fucking riff. The solo is just so damn fucking heavy. And that last part, I said, Tom, the same thing with the watching us. It makes yep. it all like, ooh, Gene's getting deep. We're watching you. It's awesome. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yep. I like the little drum fills they do at the closing of the song. Again, a more like clean drum sounds coming out of on this song would have made this song even heavier and better. Dude, that's why that I always say the live three version with Eric Singer fucking song crushes on that album. Next track. Mainline, we're hearing Peter, Peter for the first time. Another incredibly deep track. According, according to Spotify, this only appears on Harder Than Hell and Icons, which is an incredible collection. So you're not, it's not on any other live albums, not on anything. Um, this is just a really fun, upbeat rock song. Paul even says Mainline is a cool rock and roll song. But the hilarious part of this story is Peter said to Gene, if I don't sing this song, I'm quitting the band. <laughs> what the fuck, Peter? Um, it's a fun song. Look, Mainline, I don't know. I knew that Peter did coke and drank. Mainline refers to like heroin, like shooting up what I think of Mainline. I, I, I don't know that Peter ever did that. Maybe he did back then. I have no idea. It's a great song. It, it's a fun song. It's really fun to hear Peter for the first time. Uh, it's got a cool riff, catchy, catchy kind of kind of bob your head a little bit to the chorus and it, yeah that's peter the first time you hear him i think it's great mainline was written by paul stanley so paul had written this and uh basically peter wanted to sing it as you were saying i'm going to read you a little quip from behind the mask paul stanley on mainline mainline is a cool rock and roll song peter said to gene and i if i don't sing this song i'll quit the band if it means that much to you Fine, sing the song. I don't write the songs for someone else. I wrote the song for me. I'd rather somebody say to me, this means a lot to me, than start holding things over my head. When you call somebody's bluff on something, if it really matters to me, guess what, pal? You lose. Don't dare me unless you're ready to pay the consequences. When I play, I play to win. It's (laughs) It's funny. Even Gene knows I don't make bets with anybody unless i'm gonna win when somebody sees that i'm gonna i'm going to bet them it's pretty much time to take your money and go home i play to win dude settle down settle the fuck down 
Stanley Eisen. Oh. Now, let's take Peter's side to this. And this is fucking Go. awesome. Go ahead. I didn't really push to get any of my songs on the album. I knew they weren't going to do any of them. They just weren't the kind of songs we were doing. But I did push to sing on the record. Paul had written a song, Mainline, that was perfect for me. But recording it was torturous. Paul would literally stand in front of my fucking face, making me sing it word for word and note for note the way he wanted it, which puts a bit of a damper on your creativity. In his best days, he couldn't outsing me. He Oof. had no soul. Yikes. Gotta love Peter. And that's straight from Peter's book. We love it. Yeah. So uh, if you think these guys are going to kiss and make up anytime soon, yeah, right. Anyway, uh, I love Peter's voice. Uh, I oh, love yeah. the fucking catchy chorus on this song. The drums are pretty cool as well. Decent a solo. Another deep cut gem. I find this song to be one of my favorites. It's Peter. It's a deep cut. It doesn't get overplayed. It's a catchy song. Yep. Indeed. Next track. Coming home. Uh, first thing I think of when I hear this is uh, opening up with MTV Unplugged, which I thought was brilliant. And I never forget the first time I saw that. And I was like, what the fuck song are they playing? I don't even know this song, I think. I'm like, oh, oh, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's from Heart of Hell. Hell. Uh, this, this studio album version is terrible. Uh, you, When the song starts, you literally can almost not hear Peter's bass drum at all. So the song has like a weird groove to it. it. This sounds so underwater. I think the the bad production of this album really comes through on this song. This is a great song. I think Paul, I think it's a, it's an upbeat song. I think the chorus is great. The verses are really catchy. This is a nice upbeat kiss song. The guitars sound really great, um, but the production, it just kills it. Absolutely kills it and it pisses me off because i really do like this song and again i'm glad that they threw it on unplugged because it just shows how well of a written song it is on that album coming home written by ace fraley and paul stanley um from paul's book paul says it was a road song ace and i built around a damn good riff 
Yep. Some fragment of ideas that he had. Ace says, I can't remember much about writing that song. I was drunk a whole lot in the early days. You know, I started drinking when I was 13. They would add parts, but not. Yeah, which makes sense how Paul calls it fragments because they would add parts and Ace would spit stuff out, but they're not sitting together, which makes it like fragments. Oh, add this. Come back with this. Come back. And so that's why he was saying that Paul's New York accent is so prevalent. It's been a month or two since I've been sleeping with you. I'm oh my coming God, over yeah. again. It's a short song. It's only two minutes and 39 seconds. And then when yep. I think of the song, I think of Unplugged. When I think of Garbage, think of Akeem. And so I, I don't know, Tom, it's it's an okay song. I think it gets overrated because of Unplugged. Yes. Uh, and, you know, opening okay, Unplugged was such a deep cut at the time. But since Unplugged, they've played it more. And so I think it's gotten, it's not really a deep, deep cut now, but it was when they put it on Unplugged. All right, let's go to the last track. Another interesting deep cut. I keep referring to Spotify. This only appears on Harder Than Hell, the box set, and again, icons. It's never been performed live. Uh, written by Ace, but this is the story about how he wasn't confident in his singing and he wanted Peter to sing it. Peter said it was a challenge for him and he loved it. Look, I think this is one of those songs that people like because they never hear it. And it's heavy it's a plodding song. It, it goes fucking nowhere. The chorus again is terrible. Uh, the one, the one great part of this song is it's got absolutely one of Ace's killer solos that nobody's going to deny that. But I think again, I think if you take away kind of the mystique of hearing Peter, which you very rarely, if ever, hear him, it, it it's it's okay. I mean, it's them trying to be something that they're not. I don't not like the song. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Strange Ways, deep cut, never hear it, great A solo Peter vocal. But, yeah, it, it's okay. It doesn't really do much for me. Strange Ways, written by Ace Fraley. Ace Fraley. Uh, he don't want the seven-minute drum solo on this song. Oh, God, yeah. It. I know. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gene says, it was horrible. It was the worst thing we have <laughs> ever heard. <laughs> 
Peter says in his book, I also thought an extended drum solo was just the thing for that song. Of course, Gene and Paul wouldn't <laughs> hear that. What do you guys, why are you guys always right? And I'm always wrong. I protested. Why can't I do a solo there? Well, it's all pretty obvious that we, they would mumble. Yeah, you, but the fans may like it. I said, I was a solo guy. I love doing them and strange ways was the perfect vehicle for one. So I fought back the only way I knew how. If the solos go, I quit the band, I threatened. Of course I was crying wolf. I just wanted some input in the process. I recorded a really good solo, but after my drum tracks were done, I never stayed around the studio. So of course they just cut the solo out and I didn't quit. So they pulled the fucking uh, uh, Eagles move. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can sing the song. Yeah, why don't you go get us some beers? Yeah, yeah. Gone. Sing the song. Unbe- uh, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, come on, they Peter. Fucked him over. But Peter, come on, man. You're just too sensitive, man. Uh, then he goes on to talk about Ace wanted Peter to sing his songs and for him to get a bit of the spotlight. Peter said it was different for me, really heavy and new. I'd never sung anything like it. It wasn't exactly yeah. R&B. It was great challenge, and I loved it. Dude, yeah. for me, it's uh, dark heavy, foreboding, grungy, yes, grungy type song. Fair, I agree. Yep, yep. Peter sings it in this weird low voice. That's not really him. It's It, it sounds cool, though, during the during the, the verses when he's when singing he's, like low. When he's going, and it's a strange way that you've been giving. Swing low. <laughs> I think of the fucking uh, <laughs> hidden track on uh, SDP's Purple. The second album. Oh, yeah, that's 12 right. Gracious yes, yes. Melody. For oh, listening. God. I hope you join us. <laughs> that's what he sounds like. But I love Paul, Peter screeching vocals when he says, and just want to feel something. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Dun, 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 dun. Stupid chorus. And then Ace does an incredible solo on it. So incredible. Yep. That's hotter than hell. Overall thoughts. Look, it's for me. And maybe this isn't fair, but it is what it is. It's hard for me to judge this album without taking into account the sonics of it, which are terrible. There are some songs on here that I really, really love that I think are like some, you know, we'll get into when we do the rankings, Um, some incredible deep tracks. And then some kind of middling songs. I mean, I, I, everybody knows how much I love Love Gun. The the production on that is spectacular because it's Eddie Kramer. It's raw, but it's kind of a similar album. It's got like the top tier standout track concert staples. It's got some mid tier songs and it's got some super, super deep cuts. Obviously, Love Gun does it better than Hotter Than Hell, but I think Hotter Than Hell is, is, it's an, it's an interesting listen, but I, it's really hard for me to get past the production. And it ruins the experience for me, which is this is an album I don't go to often at all. And if I want to hear any of these songs, I'll listen to them on alive if I can, or, you know, I'll seek out all the way or mainline here because they're not available anywhere else. Yeah. For me, Tom, I mean, I could tell it's not as clear as other albums, but I mean, it's not, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of it. I I look at one thing and one of the reasons why I, I like it, it's almost like a deep cut album. There's only three Paul songs on a song of 10. There's five Gene songs. I'm going to follow up on that in a minute. Yeah. 
There's two Peter songs. There's three Ace written songs. At one point, there's three songs by Gene in a row, interrupted by one Paul and then two Genes before that. So, I, I, like I said, it's like a deep cut. I've always favored this album, and it always was dear to me of the original three because people don't go to it as much. Okay. And for me, there's a couple tracks on here that stand out more than anything. And there's nothing to throw away. I don't have any throwaway on this for me. So I've always liked this album. And if it it's comparable to something to me, it's rock and roll over. That's what I compare this to. It's got some really great deep cuts. It's got nothing I really hate. But it's got, I don't know. It doesn't have some of the greatest, uh, most popular Kiss songs on it. That's all. Yeah, to me, you, you talked about it with us. To me, this is a Gene album. Gene is a stud on this album. This is an Ace album. Ace is out of his mind. Paul is worthless on this album. He's a he's wasted. He doesn't do a damn thing on this album that's memorable to me. Um, I think all of his songs are meh at best. You got Peter singing two songs, which is great. But this to me, and it makes sense because Gene and Ace are like the heavier guys in the band, quote unquote. You get the demon, the 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 voice. You get Ace with the with the guitar. So it makes sense that those guys stand out. But I think they really stand out on this album, which kind of annoys me even more that the Sonic sounds so badly because I would have liked to have really heard this produced by Eddie Kramer or Bob Ezra or or, or fucking Neil Bogart and Dressed to Kill. Yeah, it's 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 a good album. I just I just right. There's nothing I hate on here. But there's some stuff that you know I don't I don't come back to often. All right, let's rank the tracks. So I'll start first this time. Number ten for me, going blind. All right, my number ten is let me go rock and roll. Wow. Number nine, coming home. Wow. Okay. Uh, number nine for me is going blind. Number eight, hotter than hell. Also, my number eight. Number seven, got to choose. Also my number seven. So (laughs) for me, I've got all my Paul songs already done, and I'm on number seven. Yep. So for number six, Parasite. Oh, wow. My goodness. Okay. Number six, Strange Ways. Number five, Strange Ways. My number five, Coming Home. Number four, let me go rock and roll. Number four for me is mainline. Number three, all the way. My number three is watching you. Whoa. Yeah, that's struggle between two and three. Uh, Number two, mainline. My number two is all the way. Number one, watching you. Okay. And my number one is easily parasite. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tom, there's, again, nothing I hate on here. Uh, I mean, I could switch. I think the top three for me are easy. Uh, Mainline all the way. I love the, the, that duo of deep gem cut gems. And then Watching You is probably one of the greatest Kiss songs ever. And, it, it, you know, I, I obviously go right to Winterland when I think of that. So, all right. Yeah. We have reviewed 19 Kiss albums. Let's do the album cover. Yes. 
Number 18, Animalize. 17, Crazy Nights. 16, Monster. 15, Asylum. 14, Music from the Elder. 13, Revenge. 12, Hot in the Shade. 11, Psycho Circus. 10, Unmasked. 9, Paul Stanley Solo. Kiss at number 8. Dress to Kill at number 7. Ace Frehley at number 6. Peter Chris at number 5. Gene Simmons at number 4. Creatures of the Night at 3. Rock and Roll Over at 2. And number 1 is Love Gun. This cover's kind of a mess, but it's 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 cool. It's kind of iconic. Uh, I'm going to put it at number 10 below Paul Stanley and uh, right above Unmask. So it's going to go at number 10 for me. Oh, okay. So for me, I've ranked them as going from 18 to 1. Animalize, Music from the Elder, Hot in the Shade, Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Revenge, Monster. Crazy Nights, Asylum, Paul Stanley, Solo, Kiss, Debut, Ace Frehley, Solo, Peter Chris Solo, Creatures of the Night, Dressed to Kill, Gene Simmons, Solo, Love Gun, number one is Rock and Roll Over. I'm putting this at 11. Okay. Just under Asylum and above Crazy Nights. I still think Asylum is just something different from the non-makeup era, and I always... It means something to me, and I always have an affinity for it. It was like, I think, the best cover probably from that non-makeup era. And uh, it's above Crazy Nights. It's just, it's cool, but it's black and white. There's a lot of shit going on. There's too much shit from the front and the back to stand out as an image. Yep. Agreed. And so it takes it away. It's a good cover, but it could have been better. So I have in mind at number 11. So let's okay. go to the album itself, Tom. Do you want to read your list? Uh, this is where the beatings will begin. Albums ranked. Number 18, Monster. 17, Peter Chris. 16, Music from the Elder. 15, Psycho Circus. 14, Animalize. 13, Gene Simmons. 12, Creatures of the Night. 11, Ace Frehley. 10, Asylum. 9, Crazy Nights. Eight Hot in the Shade, seven Unmasked, six Paul Stanley, five Rock and Roll Over, four Kiss Debut, three Revenge, two Dress to Kill, number one Love Gun. The hate mail will probably come fast and furious. This is going to go at number 11. This is going to go below Asylum and just barely above Ace Freely, just because I love the Gene songs. So this is going to go at number 11. All right. I get it. Yep. All right. Mine, 18 to the top. Monster, Unmasked, Gene Simmons Solo, Cycle Circus. Animalize, Asylum, Ace Frehley, Solo, Music from the Elder, Hot in the Shade, Peter Chris, Solo, Crazy Nights, Dressed to Kill, Paul Stanley, Solo, Love Gun, Revenge, Debut, Creatures of the Night, Rock and Roll Over. There were times I would have this song, this album, maybe number two or three or four, but Again, I do not hate anything on this. I love the two deep cuts and watching you is one of my favorite Kiss songs ever. Do I like this better than Dress to Kill? That's the thing that I don't know. So I'm looking at the lineups of Dress to Kill versus uh, Hotter Than Hell. Yeah, I do. So I'm going to put this in at number seven. Oof. Just under Paul Stanley and above Dress to Kill. Above Dress to Kill. Wow. Yes. Yes, I know it's a worse sounding album, but I looked at 
you know, the tracks that we have here, get away, ladies in waiting. Eh, I mean, anything for my baby, just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm putting, and I have more affinity for it. The two deep cuts on this, and I would probably put, when we rank these, you'll see, the best song on Hotter Than Hell, to me, is better than the best song on Dress to Kill. And we know what the best song on Dress to Kill is. For me. And this is all subjective. No, this is factual. This is not subjective. This is real, what we're saying right now. <laughs> You're not allowed uh, to disagree. No, no. I, I just, it's just, it, yeah, okay, I get you. I, I just... I don't know. Dress to Kill is very special to me. I love that fucking album, but that's okay. That's why we do the show. That's why yeah. we do the show. Yeah. So, with that being said, Tom, what we do next is question of the week. Yeah, we got a good one here from our buddy Darren uh, from Facebook and from Twitter. It's a great question because it's not even Kiss related. Okay. He says it's top three time, but we're not going to do that. We don't want to spend too much time. So, we're just going to say you're number one. He wants to know, first, your favorite Seinfeld episode and your favorite 80s slash 90s porn star. There you go. Oh, that's easy. The favorite Seinfeld is the Merv Griffin. No way. Um, Nobody can see me right now, but my hands are up (laughs) like doing the victory because that is instantaneously (laughs) my always my number one Seinfeld episode, the Merv Griffin. Well, the the stars of the 70s weren't as hygienic. (laughs) It smells like garbage. What's that chemical they put in the turkey that makes you sleepy? Tryptophan, I think. More heavy gravy? <laughs> it's a part of a new concept. Scandals and animals. It's so stupid. Where are the, ca- where are the cameras? You idiot hawks eat squirrels. <laughs> that line itself is probably the reason. Where are the cameras? <laughs> and he's like, uh, excuse me, we're talking over here. I didn't what do you think that? about a guest host? I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> All right. Favorite 80s slash 90s porn star. I don't know. Like, I am I know as soon as I answer this, I'm going to be like, fuck. I, That's I, okay. Like, I should have said, I mean, we would probably, I liked Ginger Lynn. Corey yeah. Wells. Yes. And do you know who else I liked? There was a lady on Skinamax. If you ever okay. check all those movies that used to be on Skinamax and all like the yeah like adult like fucking erotica movies, yeah. I didn't realize that they were really yeah. porn actresses and they did these movies in the side. Oh, yeah. So like if you thought a chick was yep. hot, you can find her in porn now, and you're like, holy shit, yep. you don't blow everybody. Yep. Like what the fuck? There was a yep. chick that was called Tracy Ryan. I used to love all those Skinamax Ooh, movies. She'd be okay. Scared. So if you, okay. if you go, you can sign find her now blowing people, banging chicks, getting good for it, her. And the ultimate, ultimate, like bow down. You are like a big shot. I found her in a scene with Peter North. Oh God almighty. That was a big shot. <laughs> oh, Peter God. North was throwing ropes on her and some other chick. And he laid back and was like, ooh, ooh. (laughs) Oh. Poor Peter North. Poor girl. She was fucking (laughs) basted in fucking turkey oil juice. Oh, she looked like a dozen glazed munchkins. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. All right. For me, so I said Mer- Merv Griffin, porn stars easy. 80s Christy Canyon, 90s. Murph is going to be clapping when he hears this one. I'm going for the big, busty blonde known as Sandra Scream. If you don't know her, don't know. look her up. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, it's a funny thing. Like, between the 80s to the 90s, the 80s had, like, like normal stuff. Like, I can't believe we're going to get into this shit, but, like, porn today, there's too much, like, like fucking... Fucking people like spitting shit, or like if you like scroll or something, you'll see like like things that do not look pleasant. Back then, it was a hot chick, a guy, some cheesy music, and they just they'd be like, "You're late for your appointment." <laughs> I am. Well, come in here. And the next thing you know, he's he's banging her over the fucking medical exam table. That's the kind of boy you want. Skinny chicken legs with tube socks riding high. And he's got like his suede converse on, like (laughs) Yeah, just like awful attire. And always like a cheesy mustache. And like, and then they like make out. You're like, oh. But then like the 90s got the better kind. Because now the 90s are oh, now. They're doing normal stuff, like stuff. And, pl- that- and plus the nineties, the, they started to shave a little bit. So it wasn't yeah, like the fucking, like, yeah, yeah, like, it wasn't yeah, like the wild jungle. Yeah, like someone's eating like my wool blanket. <laughs> like you can't even experience it. You were like, what? <laughs> that doesn't look pleasant. That looks like work, right? From gagging. <laughs> and now, yeah. now everyone's like getting beaten up, choked out. What are you, what up. are you, wait, whoa, whoa, what are you Googling right now? See Dude. people beaten up and choked. Well, but like, the fuck like, are you on? No, just anytime you try to scroll, they always show you a little preview, and it's like someone getting choked up. And dude, nobody wants to see fucking. What's with all this? You want to see him banging my mom or sister and sister and brother? Bang? Like, what the fuck? Who's into all that shit? Eh, you know, it's, it's something for everybody. It's no, something. It just everybody. it's just way over the top now. That's Honey, like- do you need help with your homework? Sure, mom. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck am I watching right now? Yeah, like, oh, I'm a first timer. Oh, you are? Next, you know, she's fucking triple teaming everybody. <laughs> Rinch riding him like fucking yeah, secretariat. Yeah. <laughs> Eating ass and doing all sorts of fucking crazy shit. He's like, oh, I thought you See, just said your what... first time. So, oh, I am. <laughs> See, this is why we love Darren, because I knew he was going to send us down this path oh, of just, just, just disgusting over the top, stupid fucking shit. Gross. We oh, they'll show like when you're it. scrolling down, it'll be like this 90 pound like pipsqueak with this 400 pound woman. And you're like, what the fuck? Who's watching these? Who paid somebody to film that? You have to be more discriminate with your search or, or parameters. It's not, it's just like like the, when you scroll down, they have different things, and all of a sudden you'll be like, "Oh, I don't. What, what is this? Oh no, I some specific <laughs> so, so in my search. Get 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 harassed. I'm like, that looks like it's fucking ripping an asshole wide open. Like who? How is that pleasant is. for somebody to watch? That looks like pain. Oh, some people like that. Guarantee there's like half. That's why. Our, I, that's why. There's the, like half of our listeners right now. Go go on. Tell me more. Oh, oh. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tell me more. Tell me. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 was it a brother thing, and a sister? Things a team dog would say. Oh yeah. <laughs> was it a brother and a sister and their mom? Did grandma jump in? Speaking of grandma, <laughs> did you see oh, the story no. that Gene was talking about? 
So uh, one little last thing before we transition. I, my research now, when I do these album reviews, I read all four of the books. I go to those chapters about those songs. Yeah. Peters, yep. you can kind of get in there when he's talking about certain albums because he's always bitching. I didn't get to do this. Ace doesn't remember anything. Paul yep. sometimes will talk about stuff because he because he wrote most of the stuff where he performed. So he'll be in it. Gene's fucking stuff. Okay. I'm trying to get Gene's book in reading about what can I read about hotter than hell? So this is by the way, I, can I pause? Can I I want to pause for a second, just congratulate you on your transition from ass reaming and mother, son, daughter sex back into Gene's book. I mean that's 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 why that's why I love. Oh our no show. no no no! There's a reason why I'm saying that. Oh okay, maybe not. Yeah, I got a reputation for being indiscriminate. I suppose it was earned. I didn't have very specific tastes in women. If they were female and in my presence, I was interested. During this tour, though, I surprised even myself. In a conservative town in the deep south, we had a limo driver who must have been in her sixties. Oh no. She was a full-figured gal in a chauffeur's hat and uniform. I kept calling her grandma. She kept calling me Sonny. I must have been 25, 26, maybe. The next day, about 8 in the morning, there was a knock on the door. Who is it? Open up, Sonny. It's grandma. What time is it? 8 a.m. I thought we weren't leaving until 10. You're not. Open the door, Sonny. She came in, and we were all over the floor, the bed, everywhere else in the room. So help me God, in the limo on the way to the airport, the other guys in the band were looking at me because I must have smelled like a lobster. Oh, Oh, Jesus. That's what's on the internet. Get up and get your grandma out of here, Gene. That's the difference in the books. That's what you read about Gene's book. Hey, what is he talking about harder than hell? When he fucked his 60-year-old fat grandmother. Oh, man. Oh, anyways, Tom, where can people find us? Please start with our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com. It's where you'll find everything. You'll find a link to our Amazon store. You'll find a link to our merch store. You can now get all of our Shout Out Loudcast merch from Amazon. Uh, you'll get links to all of our social media. You can see all of our episodes for Shout Out Loudcast, Album Review Group, Dorm Damage, Zeppelin Chronicles, all of our rankings. You can comment and send messages straight from there. It's the best place for all your Shout Out Loudcast needs and wants. And of course, you can use our email, shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com. Our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, tag us, comment. We're always on there, and you know it, and we love when you guys tag us in articles, stories, pictures. That's always the cool stuff. So please do all those things. And, of course, we mentioned earlier our wonderful Patreon family. Special shout to our newest member of the family, Peter Wexler. We love you guys. Uh, Again, special shout out to Peter. You guys are the best. So please stay involved and stay part of the Shout Out Loudcast family. Yeah, Tom, I always tell people they can DM us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're almost up to 1,000. That's the magic number for us. Please help us. Go on our YouTube page, find us, subscribe. You can give us one of those five-star child reviews on 
Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, Facebook, wherever you can. These are things that do you can do that can help our show. Just as we say, the Patreon, go to our Amazon link on our website and make sure you go and give us one of those five-star reviews. Those things specifically help the growth of the show. Uh, I always like to repeat, the email is shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com, shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. And then our website, shoutitoutloudcast.com, shoutitoutloudcast.com. All your stuff that you could ever imagine about our show, our episodes, merch, feedback. We, ha- You know what was great is last week we did the Real Kiss Alive series. We had people go back to those individual episodes on our yes. website and comment and put their list there. Now, as we've said before, those lists will always be there on our website versus commenting yep. on our social media posts where after we post the episode, you know, in two weeks, you ain't going to see that really. But on our episode in our website post, if you comment there and just keep going, you can see everybody's post throughout time. So please go to our website, go check out our Amazon store, go check out our merch store. Big help to us. And we really appreciate it. Tom, we'd like to end on famous last words. Do you have any? Of course. I didn't want to have to get away. I told her things I didn't want to say. I need her, and I hope she'll understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beth, I hear. Oh, yeah. Inappropriate. Oh, yes. Tom, let's say, I know you could use me, so please don't refuse me. Oh, love me. You've got to start giving, and baby, stop living above me. How did you leave out the best lyric of that song? I'm needing some loving. I'm hot like an oven. Oh, come on. Because I think it ended our first episode and I thought it was like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't touch that. No, I know. I know. So, Tom, Kiss Army, Loudcasters, thank you. Guys, you're the best. Thank you so much. Uh, Please let us know what you think of this album. And uh, am I way off having a rank this low or... Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Who knows? Take a look and uh, see what you think. I think a lot of people love this album, but uh, you guys are the best. And Zeus, as always, thank you. Peace out, Girl Scout. No, Ace. That's shit.